Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Joshua chapter 20. Joshua chapter 20. We continue our study through the Old Testament. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, welcome. Uh, we study the Old Testament on Wednesdays and the New Testament on Sundays. So keep that in mind as you uh, journey with us in our studies through the Bible. But here in Joshua chapter 20, verse 1. Joshua 20, verse 1. The Lord also spoke to Joshua. Now, remember how, you know, we have this backdrop of the Torah. Uh, Torah is the first five books of the Bible, the, f- the five books of Moses, uh, Genesis, uh, Exodus, uh, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, uh, the Pentateuch. Uh, that's the Torah. Now, we have this backdrop. If you've been walking with us for a while, you have this uh, backdrop of understanding the law and how the Lord spoke to the people and how he spoke to the people through Moses, through the high priest. Now, remember the people say to Moses, you know, Moses, we, we want to hear from the Lord. And then remember in our study in, in uh, Exodus, how Moses, he says, okay, there's this period of time where the people have to be cleansed and they have to be clean. And then they hear from the Lord, but they're terrified. They are absolutely terrified when the Lord speaks. And then all of a sudden they beg Moses. They say, Moses, you speak to the Lord. You tell us what the Lord says and we will do what you tell us to do. And so all of a sudden, remember the, the commandments, the Ten Commandments, they were given three times. The first time, verbally rejected by the people. The second time, also rejected by their actions. Because when the two tablets, when they, there were the two tablets, that was destroyed at the golden calf. With the golden calf, remember Moses and Joshua come out from the mountain and they expect to see, like, you know, where's, where are the elders? And then they go down further in the mountain and what do they see? All kinds of horrors and abominations and, you know, the the horrors of sin before the Lord. And then that's when the golden calf was destroyed. Now, the two tablets were destroyed as well. And then all of a sudden, there was the second set of the tablets. The law was given the first time verbally, the second time with the two tablets. And then the third time with the second set of two tablets, but not without blood sacrifice you see not without blood it's very important to understand that because when we see the fulfillment of the law fulfilled by jesus christ what do we see also not without blood the atonement for sin and so you see how the Lord, he speaks to, to Moses and the, the, the Lord speaks to Joshua. Remember our study in Deuteronomy 31 and God is doing exactly that, just like he said he would. And so we see here that in verse one, the Lord also spoke to Joshua saying in verse two, speak to the children of Israel. You see, Joshua himself is under orders. He has the blueprints that the Lord has given him. But at the same time, he still has a manner of conduct unto the Lord. And so the Lord is saying to Joshua, you know, speak to the children of Israel, giving him further instruction, saying, appoint for yourselves cities of refuge, of which I spoke to you through Moses. Now, 
understand when you know we have this backdrop of our of our prior studies through Exodus and Numbers and you know Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and we have this backdrop and how the Lord speaks to Moses and then Moses to Israel, Moses to Joshua, God to Joshua, and Joshua to Israel. Now we'll say that again. <clears throat> when the Lord speaks, remember the people. Israel, they say to, you know, the Moses, they say, Moses, you know, we want to hear of God too. We want to hear from God too. And Moses says, okay, here's the process. And then once you're clean, now we can all hear of the Lord together. And then once the Lord speaks, they were terrified. And they told Moses, Moses, you know, you speak to the Lord and the Lord speaks to you. And then you tell us what the Lord says. And we're going to do that. You see, and that's one of the 10 commandments was given the first time verbally. And so when God speaks to Moses as his servant, Moses is a servant of the Lord, a vessel of the Lord, and God speaks to Moses. And then when Moses speaks, he just tells him what God, he tells the people what God says. Moses speaks to Israel, you know, thus saith the Lord. This is what the Lord, this is what the Lord desires. This is what the Lord wants. This is what the Lord, you know. Now, when Moses speaks, okay, balls in your court, people. You see, it's like, you know, Israel has a choice to make. Israel, balls in your court. But the same thing applies to us today. When the word of God speaks, okay, balls in our court. The Bible says, A, B, C, one, two, three. Now, you and me, the balls in our court. We have a choice to make. The Bible says, A, B, C, one, two, three. Now, what do we do? We hear A, B, C, one, two, three. But who is it among us that applies A, B, C, one, two, three? You see? And so God speaks to Moses and then Moses, he speaks to Israel. He speaks to the people. He says, guys, this is what the Lord says. Thus saith the Lord. And then you have a little bit more intimate setting where Moses speaks to Joshua. Joshua, this is what the Lord says. You have a little bit more intimate setting, you know, Moses with Joshua. Moses as a leader of Israel and Joshua as, you know, the next generation of leadership. And you have that intimate setting, kind of like how you see in the past, in the, in the epistles where with Paul and, uh, Paul would have these epistles to churches. He would write these letters to churches like Corinthians, Thessalonians, um, Philippians. But then you boil it down a little bit closer to home and then you see the pastoral epistles where Paul speaks to Timothy. Paul writes to Titus, you see? Philemon, you see? And we've, these are things that we've studied. We have a nice backdrop. Understand that we have this backdrop. Now, with this backdrop, you know, comes the, okay, now, now what? You see, now comes the application. And just as you see with Paul to churches and Paul to Christians and Paul to saints, and then you see Paul to, it boils down a little, a little closer to home, the next generation of leadership where Paul writes to Timothy and Paul writes to Titus and to Philemon. But understand, we see that same exact thing where God speaks to Moses and Moses speaks to the people, but then it gets boiled down closer to home where Moses speaks to Joshua. You know, hey, Joshua, this is what the Lord desires. This is what the Lord says. And then as 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 the next generation of leadership, God speaks to Joshua. You see? And then Joshua to Israel. And notice the message is the same. There is no change because the same God that spoke to Moses is the same God that speaks to Joshua. 
It's very important to understand that God never changes, just as he says. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. What should be in the church, what should be found among Christians, what should be found among pastors and inside fellowships is everybody in one accord. That's what we should see. Everybody in one accord. But what do we see? Do we see one accord? You see? Do we see one accord? It can't be demanded. You can't, you know, nobody can demand, hey, you know, we have to be of one mind and of one spirit. Nobody can demand it. I mean, Somebody can say it in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in, in like, you know, this is what the Lord wants. But there's, when you understand formula, when you understand formula, Old Testament and New Testament, the recipe for righteousness, of course, understanding the covenants and the rules of engagement and the rules that apply within the covenants. Then you can see, well, wait a second. Everybody might be in one accord. But are they in one accord with the will of God and with the word of God? I mean, look at like Hillsong, for example, and the, the like uh, uh, sister churches and, you know, different uh, 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 church partnerships that are with Hillsong. It's like, wow, everybody's in one accord. But then when you look at doctrine, when you understand formula, when you look at, you know, the, the, the fruits, not of the spirit, the fruits of the flesh. Yeah, everybody's in one accord. But is that accord aligned with the will of the Lord and with the word of the Lord? And these are things that are understood with formula. Formula. God never changes. Remember in Jeremiah's day, and in the course of time, we're going to get to our studies in the book of Jeremiah, but in Jeremiah's time, Jeremiah was, you know, he would speak to the Lord. Lord, there's these prophets. And the Lord would respond to Jeremiah, these prophets, they call themselves prophets, but they don't, I'm not speaking to them. They're prof. they call themselves prophets, but I don't call them prophets. You see, because carnally speaking, if you and me were to go back in time to Jeremiah's day, and they called Jeremiah the lonely prophet, the weeping prophet. Why? Because he was lonely. And then also because he was weeping. He had a tremendous heart for God's people. A tremendous heart for God's people. But they called him the lonely prophet because nobody would listen to him. Because, you know, we would see, remember, you and me, we go back, we go in the time machine and we go back in time to Jeremiah's day. And what do you see? You see multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of people with these so-called prophets. I'm doing my air quotes. You have multitudes of people with these prophets. Look, they call themselves prophets. They, they're the learned class. They're the religious establishment. Surely the Lord is with them. But then you have a lonely guy over here in the side. A lonely guy over here by the name of Jeremiah. And he is saying, you know, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. So we look on one side. And we see a single guy all by himself. He's lonely and he's weeping. People make fun of him. They call him the lonely prophet. They call him the weeping prophet. Oh, you know, look, you know, you're weeping. But, you know, look, God is for us. We're the elect. 
God is for us. Who can be against us? We're the elect. Oh, you're so stupid, Jeremiah. You're so dumb, Jeremiah. Look, you know, you think, you, you know, you, nobody's with you, Jeremiah. And so we look to one side, we say, Jeremiah, and he's saying, thus saith the Lord, with tears streaming down his eyes, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, return to me, O Israel. And then we look to the other side and we see multitudes and multitudes of people and they're listening to the prophets, the so-called prophets. I'm doing my air quotes. And they're listening to these guys speak, you know, thus saith the Lord, God is for us. You know, who can be against us? We're the elect. God is with us. You see? And then the enemy approaches. The enemy approaches. And the so-called prophets, oh, God is with us. Fear not. God is with us. But the Lord was speaking to Jeremiah. And he was saying, those, those aren't my people. Those aren't, those aren't my prophets. I'm not speaking to them. You see? And then you see Judah go into captivity. So you look at the, the, the multitudes of people. They had their prophets. And they did it, the people, they didn't understand formula because if they understood formula, they would realize those prophets, the people that they referred to as prophets, they were straight up crazy town. If they understood formula, they would say, you know what? I know that there's a multitude of people with all these prophets and it looks like there's unity, but Jeremiah, I'm with Jeremiah. If they understood formula, you see, but it's the exact same today. Multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of pastors and ministries and teachers and all these things. But when you understand formula, you realize, wait a second, this guy's crazy town. Because the Bible says, don't you dare take the mark of the beast. But this guy is saying, it's okay to take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. You see, the Bible says that God's, God's promises to Israel, that there is no replacement theology. But this guy over here says that God is all done with Israel. That's crazy time. When you understand formula, the recipe of righteousness and formula according to the word of God, then you know, wait a second, this guy's crazy town. Or you know what? There's this church over here and, you know, and, and, and the, 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 the woman is the pastor. And you know, wait a second. That's not the formula. That's not the biblical formula. Listen to our pastoral epistles, our studies through the pastoral epistles. You'll understand more. Or you have a pastor, you say, wait a second. You look, he's teaching sound doctrine and wow, this is nice, but he's on his fifth marriage. And, you know, his wife is a crackhead. His daughter's a sex head. His son is Buddha, you know, Buddhist, you know, and all these things. It's like, wait a second. The, the, the pastoral leadership, the, the, the elders and pastors, the, open to scrutiny is the family and the household. Then you realize, wait a second, if this guy, yeah, his doctrine might be right, but he's not applying it to his life because look at his home. He might speak and teach one way, but look at his home. He's on his fifth marriage. It's one thing to be on the fifth marriage, but then, you know, uh, that, that would, biblically speaking, that would mean that the previous wives, they've died. Biblically speaking, it would mean that they're dead. 
So you, you ask the pastor, hey pastor, what's up with the fifth wife? I'm 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 sorry for I'm sorry for your loss. My my condolences to you, Pastor. The pastor says, What are you talking about? My previous wives, we have irreconcilable differences, so we, we got a divorce. Okay, wrong formula. Boom, I'm out. Nice to meet you, Pastor, but see you later. You see? New wine. New wine comes from new wineskins. And when you understand formula. You can see and understand just like the time machine where it's like, wow, I know there's all these prophets and I know that there's unity with the multitudes and look at, they have unity, 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 which seems nice. But is it unity in accordance with the word of God and the will of God? And then you realize, wow, this guy that they're making fun of, the the, the lonely prophet, they mock him and call him the lonely prophet, the weeping prophet. Yeah, he's a loner. I mean, but he's a loner for a reason. He's not in crazy town. The other people, they're in crazy. These prophets, they're in crazy town. I don't know about you, but I'm with Jeremiah. We go back in the time machine, fully understanding formula. We see, well, wait a second. I know there's unity over here and unity over here. And there's this guy all by himself in the corner, weeping, saying, thus saith the Lord, return to me, return to me, repent. And we understand formula and we, we look at, I know that the multitudes are over there, but that's nice. I want the Lord. I, I just want truth. I look at you. I say, I want truth. You look at me. You say, me too. I want truth. And we say, look at, we're with Jeremiah. I know the multitudes are with these prophets over here, these so-called prophets over here, but understanding formula, we're with Jeremiah. You see? And we see this, I mean, in terms of leadership, in, in the book of Joshua, in, the, in terms of leadership, we have like, you know, Moses and Joshua, you know, and, and there's elders too. I mean, in, in leadership, there's, there's the elders too and the captains of the, of, 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 of tribes. So, you know, you see how uh, 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 leadership expands, it's growing. There's a very, very specific formula. And within that formula, there is no change. The Lord never changes. What the Lord spoke to Moses, the Lord is also speaking to Joshua. There is no change. You see? The message is the same. Israel, they're hearing the same. Oh, you know, Moses told us this and Joshua tells us the exact same thing. Why? Because they serve the same Lord. They're vessels of the same master. That's why when you read the Bible, it's like, wait a second, I read this in Genesis and it aligns perfectly with Jeremiah. I read this Isaiah and it aligns perfectly with, uh, you know, uh, uh, Peter. I read this Revelation and it aligns perfectly with Joel, the prophet Joel, the minor prophet is Joel. It aligns perfectly with what Paul says. It aligns, per every you see perfect alignment. Why? Because these vessels, these servants, they fear the Lord, they love the Lord, and they all serve the same master. There's no change. You see, God never changes. Now, the ultimate source is God, but the message never changes. These messengers have very deep intimacy with the Lord. Remember Amos? 
where Amos says, listen, you know, I'm no prophet nor the son of the prophet. And surprise, you know, we have the book of Amos. Amos is a prophet. The Lord says, listen, you know, Amos, you might not think it, but you're my guy. You see, I'm paraphrasing, but. Messengers have intimacy with the Lord. And what's so powerful is that these are people who don't claim to be prophets. These are people who don't claim any type of, you know, they don't demand, they don't desire, they don't claim any type of position. I mean, Jeremiah, they called him the weeping prophet, the lonely prophet. And when you read the book of Lamentations, it, like, for me, it breaks my heart. You read the book of Lamentations, it's like a like a funeral, like a dirge. And that's literally what it is, Lamentations. It's lamenting. It's like a dirge, a funeral. And it's so sad because it's almost like, you know, you, like picture a funeral. And Jeremiah is speaking, but he's speaking during the captivity when Judah's taken. And then you read it and he's like, wow, if, if, if. If Judah had had only listened to Jeremiah, if if Judah if 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 they listened and heeded Jeremiah, things would be so much better. You see, it's important for us, you and me together, to understand this. There is a way of righteousness. But it is found in the word of God. You see, the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, understanding the covenants, the rules, you see. And in studying the Old Testament, you know, we understand the nature and character of our Lord, what he likes, what he dislikes, things that, 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 to live in a manner that is pleasing unto him, the desire to be a sweet aroma unto him, you see. And so this message from the Lord, just as uh, 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 Moses says to the people, the message of the Lord here is a point for you in Joshua 20, a point for yourselves, cities of refuge. They heard it from Moses. They're hearing it from Joshua. But now Israel is at the do part. You know, not be hearers of the word only, but also doers. But now Israel is at the do part. Now, the ball's in their court, but it's the same today. You see, God speaks through his word. Understand, the word became flesh. Just like we study in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, how God speaks in these last days by his son. You see, and the word became flesh. Intimacy with the Lord. And in having intimacy with the Lord, we can understand deeper and deeper and deeper his love, his mercy, his grace, his nature, his character, what is pleasing and what is displeasing. And we can fall deeper and deeper and deeper in love with him. You see? And so Israel, they're at this, the do part of, you know, having these, uh, 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 the, the, the cities of refuge. And so, you know, we see here in verse 2, Joshua 20, verse 2, speak to the children of Israel, saying, appoint for yourselves cities of refuge of which I spoke to you through Moses. You see, that the slayer, in verse 3, that the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there. 
and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. Now, if you're listening for the first time, this might be like, well, what, what is this avenger of blood, city of refuge? But if you've been walking with us for a while, do you remember our study from Numbers 35? Numbers 35 in the cities of refuge? Now, to, to, to give you an example is, you know, like, remember the example that we had where, like, you know, like, um, say, for example, you're, you're building a house. You're building a house. We're in the Old Testament times. You're building a house. Okay, so we, we're stacking stones and all these things. And there's a little portion of the, the, the rooftop that's going to be stone. There's going to be a little terrace there. So on a hot night, we can go and into the top terrace and, you know, be in the cool of day and, you know, look at the, look at the fields. And it's going to be so beautiful and so just, you know, just a moment where we can just have refreshing in fellowship, refreshing in the Lord and rejoice. And so we're building it. And so, you know, you're at the bottom and I'm at the top. You're at the bottom and you're, you have a, a stack of stones and, you know, I say, hey, you know, hand me some stones and you're handing me stones. We have a little pulley system and the ropes and you're pulling and I'm stacking stones because we're going to, you know, once the stones are from the ground and once they're on the higher level, we're going to construct and build the higher level. And so we're building and building. Everything's fine and dandy. And then say, for example, I put a stone on top of a little, I don't realize it, but there's a little slope. And so all of a sudden, the sto- well, we'll reverse roles. Say I'm at the bottom now. I'm at the bottom. You're at the top. And, you know, and I'm bringing, I'm putting, you know, on the pulley system and doing the, the stones, big stones, you know, and the pulley system. And, you know, you're stacking and stacking and stacking. And you, you don't realize, I mean, you're on top now because we reverse roles because it's going to get kind of, kind of bad. And so you're at the top and I'm at the bottom. And I can't see you because, you know, it's just there's the little the little ledge of the roof and you're on the top and you're stacking stones and the, the stack on my level, on the ground level, that's getting smaller and smaller and smaller and because I'm handing you stones. And you don't realize it at the time, but there's a little slope where you don't realize that, you know, as the st- stones are getting stacked higher on that little rooftop ledge, you don't realize it, but it's getting dangerous because I'm at a stone could roll off. And so we're at the final stone and I say, hey, look, this is the last stone. And I put it on the pulley system and and you set it on top. And then, boom, a little, the, the rock shift and the stone rolls and it's going towards my direction. And you, you, you didn't see it, but it happened. So say, you know, you were just, you, you had to, you know, you, you looked back at the terrace and you didn't see that the stone fell, but the stone fell and you say, you know, hey, you know, are you coming up? And it's just dead silent. It's quiet. Where before we were, you know, yucking it up, having a good time, you know, having fellowship, conversation, you know, singing songs of worship. And oh, it was just such a beautiful moment of fellowship. And now you're like, wow, you know, it's awfully quiet. You look over the ledge and then you realize what had happened. The stone rolled off came off the little top ledge and landed right smack dab in the middle of the top of my head. And it killed me. I'm dead. You see? A complete and total accident. It was completely unintentional. But it was an accident. You see? 
and I'm dead. You killed me. It was an accident, but you killed me. Now remember, in the law, in the law, the, you know, it, anybody who kills another is okay. Then you know we're talking like you know stoning. You know the 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 the, the penalty, the wage of uh, killing. That's you know, it's death. Just the wages of sin is death. That law is still in effect. That law is still in place. The wages of sin is death. That law is still in place, which points to the excellency and the beauty of what God has done. Because the only safety there is, is in Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death. But when you're in Christ, that transfers, you know, that penalty of sin, which is death, is placed on Jesus Christ. Because your safety, my safety, we're now inside of Christ. Very important to understand. And so now you have a little situation. I'm dead. I'm dead on the ground. The stone fell and it hit me on top of the head and I'm dead on the ground. And I'm like, there's, you can't revive me. I mean, it's, it's done. I'm, you know, say goodnight. I'm done. And so now, you know, say my brothers come up, my cousins, my brothers, there's, oh, you know, we, we, we want to bring you some lemonade, you know, see how you guys are doing, how you're making out. And then all of a sudden, you know, they expect to see, wow, the terrace is all done, that this is that. And they expect to see like, you know, a finished product. But what do they see? They see that I'm dead. They don't know from your, from their perspective, they don't know if it was an accident or if you picked up a stone and just bashed my head in. They don't know that. And so now you're in trouble because they're thinking, okay, you know, now we got to stone this guy. You see? Now we got to stone you. And that's what they're thinking. But what's so beautiful and what the Lord has done, I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form. But what's so beautiful is how the Lord has put in the law the means by which mediation can happen, but then also safety. And that's what this the city of refuge is. That's what the city of refuge is, where you can flee to this city of refuge and there is safety for you. You see, there is safety for you. Where it's like, you know, there, there's going to be, you know, elders and, you know, there's going to be a, 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 a verdict that's delivered, but you know, you're, you have safety in that city of refuge. Now you have to say your case, like, you know, Hey, it was an accident. It rolled off and you know, here's what happened. And it rolled off and it was completely unintentional. It was an accident. Now there's, there's these proceedings that take place, but in the interim, until that happens, it's like, okay, you know, my uncles, my cousins, my brothers, they're not going to stone you. You see, it was a complete and total accident, but I can't say it was an accident because I'm dead. You see, now we see here, in, you know, that, 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 that's what happens with these, the, the city of refuge. And in verse three, we see here that the slayer who kills a person accidentally or unintentionally may flee there and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. Now, in the example we gave, you know, that was, you know, you're the, you're the slayer. You know, it was accidentally, it was completely unintentional. You're the slayer. You know, I'm dead. My uh, brothers, cousins, uncles, you know, grandpappy, everybody, they're the avengers of blood. 
and they're coming after you. You see? And so now you go to the, the, the city of refuge. And you see here in verse 4, And when he flees to one of those cities and stands at the entrance of the gate of the city and declares his case in the hearing of the elders of that city, now we see another body is introduced. Now you see godly attributes within these bodies, the elders, they're required. We'll say fruit, if you will, to those who have ears. Fruit is required. An Old Testament example of the fruit of the Spirit. But let's look at this, not to suggest anything negative, but what if it wasn't an accident? You see? What if it wasn't an accident? Now you see this manslayer. Say, for example, the manslayer lies to seek refuge when there really should be a death penalty. Remember, we're in the Old Testament law where is found death. The law at this point is not yet nailed to the cross. The law is still in effect. At this particular moment, the law is still in effect in Joshua 20. And in this particular moment, today, the law is still in effect. But in Christ and only in Christ, there is no law. There's the law of faith, the law of love, the law of Christ. Remember our study through Romans? Remember 1 Timothy chapter 1? The law is not made for a righteous person, but for the sinner. Today, the law is in effect. It is still active. It is still holy. It still has glory, but it's not the greater glory. The greater glory is in Christ. Now, if you're listening for the first time, listen to our study through Galatians, you'll understand more. The law is still holy, but it is not the greater glory. Remember the low beams and high beams example? There is, you know, low beams. It's like, you know, there's, there's, there's still a glory in the law, but it's not the high beams. The high beams, that's the greater glory, which is Jesus Christ. And that's the only safety there is. See, because he paid the price. And so what if it wasn't an accident? Not to suggest anything, you know, bad or infer anything. But what if it wasn't an accident? In the example, what if you murdered me? Like, like straight up, like the intent. And then I shouldn't say we'll use another another set of people, a different a different guy, you know. <laughs> we won't say you. We'll say a different guy. So what if it wasn't an accident? And so this manslayer who committed murder, and you know, with you it was an accident, but with this other guy, you know, it wasn't an accident. He did it intentionally. And the manslayer he lies. He doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to get stoned, and so he lies about it. You see. Now, for these elders of the city, wisdom is required. Godliness is godly attributes. Remember, fruit, if you will. It's required. The elders need to exercise wisdom in order to make this determination. Okay, you know, this guy's lying. 
or you know you know in your case you know it was a bona fide accident but this other guy over here he lied about it you see godliness is required all around godliness is required I mean, in your case, you know, when, when, you know, you're not the liar, that's the other guy. But in your case, you killed me by accident. It was a complete and total accident. It was a big rock and then boom, say goodnight. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're like, oh, you know, man, you, know, you can see my, my cousins and uncles and, you know, they got their pitchforks and everything and they're coming after you. And you're like, you know what? I got to get out of Dodge and you're going to the city of refuge. You see? Now the elders, look at, look at how the law, the law, the Torah has this opening for mercy, grace, understanding, cleanliness. There is a lot of room for corruption. Don't get me wrong. There is a lot of room for corruption. Now, say, for example, the guy who lied about it. Not you. You're the guy who killed me by accident. But the guy who killed another guy because he intended to kill the other guy. Say he And he doesn't want to get stoned. And say he goes to the city gates and he goes to the elders and says, Hey, you know, I'll give you $5,000. A little bribery. Let me in the city of refuge. I'll give you $5,000 each. You see? Now, I don't want to suggest heresy. I don't want to suggest, you know, anything evil or evil intent behind these statements. But look how there's plenty of room for corruption. The, the guy who was guilty of murder because he intended to kill. And then, you know, through bribery, you know, how sin easily spreads. You see, you have in this example of, you know, the, where the, the corruption sets in, you have the bona fide manslayer, the one who, not you, you're, you're, you're the example of the accident, but the other guy, he's the example of the bona fide murderer who wanted to kill, wanted this guy dead. And how corruption can easily set in. And then what about the elders when, you know, they have a, a job to do, but then all of a sudden they say, wow, 5,000 bucks each. That's, you know, that that's pretty nice. Corruption of the elders and how sin spreads and say they have their families. And now the kids learn the next generation. They learn these things of, of carnality and in so doing they themselves become corrupt and you see the mess it spreads it get worse it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and it spreads just like leaven it's just the same today leaven begets leaven begets leaven and it spreads and that's why separation is necessary remember that you know if you've been walking with us for a while remember in first corinthians you might have you know when i said it you might have felt like wow that's weird he has a love hate of uh, corinthians what's that all about that he has a this guy says he has a love hate relationship with the book of corinthians with first corinthians and even second corinthians there's a love hate relationship but it's the bible you know? how can there be a love hate relationship it should be all love but when you understand formula, and if you've been listening from then and to now, you understand when we say, you know, that I have a love-hate relationship with 
1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians too, but I have that love-hate relationship with Corinthians. You understand why? Because I love it. But the hate side is like, man, I, I, I wish it didn't happen. I wish there was no separation. I wish that the the remnant didn't have to be so small. I wish that it was the whole and not the not the remnant. You see? But when you understand formula, you realize, wow, separation is necessary so that the holy can stay holy and not be defiled. Now, we give these examples in the Old Testament where, you know, like, you know, you know, what if it wasn't an accident? What if you have a bona fide manslayer? What if the elders are corrupt themselves and how sin spreads? And you hear me say, like, you know, I don't want to introduce, any, you know, anything heretical, which is true. I do, do not want to do that. But these are things that happen. Israel becomes defiled. And they defile themselves. It's self-inflicted. They defile themselves. Corruption does set in. They do enter harlotry and idolatry. Remember where the Lord says, you know, I won't forsake you. But in the same chapter, he says, I will forsake you. Did the Lord change his mind? No, he never changes. The people change their heart. You see? I mean, you take a a, a 10-year-old girl. And you put her in the operating room to, to do neurosurgery. It's like, well, wait a second. Like, she hasn't gone to medical school. She hasn't done anything. So, I mean, she's done something, you know, finger painting and, you know, pluses and minuses and whatever 10-year-olds learn. But to be in the, you know, a neurosurgeon? But in the course of time, say she's like 30 years old. She's done her residency. Say like, like 32 And now she's a bona fide doctor, neurosurgeon. And now she's in that operating room. She has the knowledge base. She has, she's fully equipped. And now she can, you know, open up that, you know, skull cap and like do the doctor stuff. She can operate. She's a neurosurgeon. She can do the operate on the brain and do all these things. Now it's the same person. When she was 10 years old and now she's 32, or I think I said 32. I might have said 33 or 34. I forgot. So say 35, just for easy math. So she's 35 and before she was 10. It's the same person. It's the same exact person. But at age 10, it didn't apply to her. At age 35, it applies to her. You see, it's the same person. Exact same person. But at age 10, it didn't apply. You see? And when you see, like, you know, well, wait a second. The Lord says, I won't forsake you. But in the same chapter, he says, I will forsake you. You say, wait a second. Well, how can that be? Did the Lord change his mind? No, he didn't change his mind. But wait a second. These people, he says, he will not forsake you. But then he says, I will forsake you. What happened? Well, when he says, I will not forsake you, you see, that's when it applied because they were 
aligned with the Lord. They were clean and aligned with the Lord. But then through idolatry and through, you know, the accepting of the Baals and the Moleks and the Asterisks and all these things, worshiping of other gods, that promise couldn't be effectuated. That promise didn't apply. God never changes. God never changes. He didn't change. It's the people who change their heart. Now, that's kind of a bad, I mean, it's an example, but it's an example of the bad because it's like, wow, you know, I will never forsake you. And then boom, I'm going to forsake you. But the opposite, let's, let's, let's flip that coin. The opposite is also true. You can be in a state of forsakenness outside of Christ, but you can enter Christ where you are not forsaken. Outside of Christ is forsaken. Inside of Christ, not forsaken. You see, the opposite is also true. Whether you're a non-believer now or if you're a believer, but you don't apply, you don't do, you, you hear the word, but you don't do the word. That's not good. That's not good. Remember, Jesus says, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, follow me. You see? And if you're a non-believer, you come to Christ right here, right now. You hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ. And you, you, you commit your life to Christ, and then you come back and you listen, and we continue in our journey together. But if you're wishy-washy, if you're a believer, but you're wishy-washy, I'll put it another way, if you are lukewarm. Remember, Jesus says it, because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out. Expelled from Jesus. And if you're lukewarm and you're like, oh my goodness, I got to get right with the Lord. Well, then you hit pause. You listen to the message of how to commit your life to Christ and you recommit your life to Christ. And don't play games with them anymore. Those days are over. That's the way of Adam. And you come back to, to, to our study and we continue in our journey together. You see? And so look what happens in verse four here. In verse four, and when he flees to one of those cities, the, the, the city of refuge, in the example we gave earlier, remember my, my uncles, my, we'll throw in some ants there, my, my grandpappy, everybody, they're coming after you with their pitchforks because you killed me, I'm dead. And so all of it was an accident. You know, the other guy, you know, the, that was, that was murder. But you know, for you, that was a complete and total accident. And he flees to one of those cities in verse 4 and stands at the entrance of the gate of the city and declares his case in the hearing of the elders of that city. They shall take him into the city as one of them. You see? As one of them. Not as an elder, but, you know, as a resident of, you know, that, that city. As one of, you see, when it's done right, when it's done right, according to God and the blueprints given to him. Remember, these blueprints were given to Moses. These blueprints were given to Joshua. I mean, have you ever been to, to a construction site? I mean, you might be at a construction site and, you know, say you, 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 you have a general contractor. And the general contractor, they're at a construction site. And the general contractor can read the blueprints and understand blueprints. But then the, uh, the, 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 the general contractor has a foreman for the job 
who also can read and understand the blueprints. But then you have the workers where, you know, like the workers, they might not understand blueprints. They, they, they know everything about their craft. They know the nitty gritty and the, the details about specifically about their craft and what they do. But they, they're not the general. They're not the, the foreman. They can't read blueprints. But the general and the foreman, they say exactly what to do. Hey, you know, this has to be like this and you do it. This has to be like this and you do it. This has to be like this and you do it. You see? Everything is in order to build that building. It has to be in accordance to the blueprints. You see, but the same thing applies with us and the word of God. Remember our study in first Corinthians three and four, where Paul says, you are God's building. You might be a brand new believer and you're like, well, I don't understand the blueprints. I can't read blueprints. I don't understand. Well, God has his servants. God has his foremen who do understand. God has his foremen who were in the same situation as you. But then he cleaned them up, taught them, trained them, and says, okay, you know, now I want you to, you know, feed my sheep. Tend my sheep, just like with Peter. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Okay, feed my sheep. Tend my flock. Tend my tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Okay, tend my flock. Peter, do you love me? You know, Lord. Peter was kind of disheartened. Like, why? Do, why are, are, are you asking me so many times? Because you know my heart better than I do. And I don't love you. Peter was kind of nervous, like, wow, Lord, you're asking me so much. I say yes, but do you know something I don't know? Do I not love you? And Peter, or, or the Lord says to Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Tend my sheep. See, Peter understands the blueprints. And so you might be a new believer and you're like, well, I don't understand the blueprints. Yes, I believe in Jesus, but wow, I don't know the Old Testament. I don't know the prophets. I don't know the minor prophets. I hear you you, you, you say dispensation. I don't even know what that means. I mean, when I was a new Christian, like people would speak Christianese like, what in the world? Dispensation? What is that? You know, there's atonement? What? They would be you know, uh, 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 recompense? What in the world? This is like Japanese. I mean, if you're Japanese, I love you, but I'm just speaking, you know, I speak English, but I didn't know. But what's so beautiful is that, you know, the Lord has these foremen and say, listen, it's okay. You don't know. The thing that's, you know, you got to be cautious of nowadays is that the so-called people who, the, the so-called learned class, they use all these big words. They, oh, you know, in this dispensation, according to this dispensation and, you know, premillennialist and all this and that. And they use all these words, but they use it to sound smart. They're really dummies. They don't know what they're talking about. They're really stupid because when you know the Bible, you start to realize, wow, this guy, I thought he was smart. But you read that. This guy's a fool. This guy's a fool. He has a doctorate in theology and he says, take the mark of the beast. He'll still be saved. That's a fool. That's a servant of Satan. 
wow, he's got a study Bible and all these things, and he's an author, and he's a pastor, and this, and megachurch, and this and that, but wow, I read my Bible, and this guy is a straight-up idiot. Now you say, like, wow, I can't believe he said idiot. Okay, I'll say it exactly like Paul says. Idiotes, where we get the word idiot. He says idiotes, without understanding. Then you start to realize, oh my goodness, this guy, he's a straight up fool. And then you start to realize even further, oh my goodness, this guy is not just a fool, but he's a wolf. He's a servant of Satan. You see? Another pastor, you know, masters in you know, seminary school, masters in theology. And he says, okay, everybody, let's go grave soaking. Let's go lay on the graves and soak up the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit isn't with the dead. The Holy Spirit is alive and with the living. That's another spirit, not of the Lord. You could be, you know, nothing about Jesus, no, no, I mean, you, you love him, you believe in Jesus, and know nothing about the Bible, but through growth and maturity, you start to understand. And growth and maturity, you might not be able to read blueprints, but the Lord, the Lord has his people who he has appointed specifically for this purpose. They do understand the blueprints, and the Lord says, hey, Tend my sheep, feed my people, feed my sheep, tend my flock, feed my lambs. You see, the Lord has his vessels who do can read blueprints. And in the course of time, through equipping, through learning, through reckoning the old man dead and the old woman dead, you understand and, you know, who knows? The Lord might say, you, I want you to tend my sheep, feed my sheep. You see, to go from pew to pulpit. The Lord might do that in you. You see? Now, understand formula, understand the blueprints. The problem today is that people don't understand. It's so beautiful how the Lord works and he never changes. And so you see here, when it's done right, according to his blueprints, it's beautiful. Remember, there's blueprints for, you know, Old Testament, blueprints for New Testament. You see, it's like one building, you know, it's like one building, but, you know, first floor is Old Testament, second floor is New Testament. You see, it's it's so holy. It's so beautiful what the Lord has done. And you remember our study in 1 Corinthians 3 and 4 where Paul says, you're God's building. That's you. You're God's building. That's you. I mean, yes, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God so sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And yes, that's beautiful. But it doesn't end there. You, my beautiful friend, when you believe, understand that you, you're God's building. 
You see? And you remember our study in 1 Corinthians 3 and 4? We make these distinctions between field and worker. Field and worker or building and worker. You see, you are God's building and you make the distinction between worker and building or worker and field and you make this distinction and then you realize, okay, if this guy is a worker, if this lady is a worker and you understand the blueprints where the lady you know, pastoral and elder ministry, only male. Where a lady, a female, can still be a worker. But, you know, there are caps on that. Which is, you know, pastor and elder, only male. But then you can have somebody like Chloe and Phoebe and Lydia. Very beautiful women in the Lord. Very, very beautiful women in the Lord. You see? And a lot of times, females, my sisters in Christ, a lot of times females get really bummed out. Like, wow, you know, this guy, you know, this guy's a pastor, but he's defunct. And this guy is a pastor, but he's defunct. And I'm going to take it upon myself to be a pastor. Listen, don't do that. Be a lover of humility. Don't do that. You see? Look at children. Look at uh, uh, Eunice and Lois, how, you know, Training up the next generation of pastoral leadership. And speaking of Timothy, the ministry of mama and grandma. The ministry pouring them, females, pouring into the next generation. Timothy grows up and gets connected with Paul. And boom, he's running. Little Timmy becomes mighty Timmy in the Lord. You see? Yes, there's the ministry of Paul pouring into Timothy, but don't forget the ministry of Mama and Grandma. Foundational. So beautiful. You see? And when you understand, you could be a brand new believer in Christ. And you're God's building. You're in God's field. You see? And when you understand the prophecies of the wheat and tares growing together, when you understand, it's like, oh my goodness, there needs to be some straightening up around here because there's a lot of weeds, there's a lot of tares, and prophetically speaking, they have to grow together until the harvest. You see? I mean, you look at the church today, a mess. It's crazy, straight up crazy town but it is prophesied to be this way. And all of scripture will be fulfilled. You hear us say from time to time, jump ship. You might be in a church when you understand formula, you realize, well, wait a second. You know, I thought my pastor was like good to go, but he's on his third marriage. His wife's a crackhead. His daughter's sexually active. His son's a Buddhist. And I thought they were good to go. But when you understand formula, you realize you're in danger. You cannot submit to him. You cannot submit yourself to him. And when I say submission, it's not like somebody, oh, I got to submit to my pastor. So my pastor says, I'm, I got to cut his grass. I'm going to cut his grass. My pastor says, I got to wash his car. I'm going to wash his car. No, godly men don't do that. Godly shepherds don't invoke submission for the sake of carnality. They don't even invoke, they invite submission but they don't invoke submission. They don't command submission. You see? And their submission 
is not for a carnal means. It's not like, hey, you got to submit to me, wash my car. Hey, you got to submit to me, clean my house. Hey, you got to submit to me, you know, go, go, go scrub the floors, clean the toilets. No, that's carnality. You see, I mean, look at Corinth. You look at the pastors and elders of Corinth, the defunct. Submission to them, look at what I got. But submission to Paul, look at what I got. You see, you make the distinction when Paul says you have 10,000 teachers, but one father, spiritual father, he was speaking of himself. You have 10,000 teachers. Picture that. Say you and me, we're in Corinth. 10,000 pastors, elders, you know, teachers. Say there's 10,000. And with all 10,000 defunct, just like the example we gave with Jeremiah was like, look, we understand formula. I understand the multitudes are over here, but you know what? We're with Jeremiah. The same could be said of Paul. We're in Corinth. There's 10,000 10, teachers. That's nice. We're with Paul. You see? And that's what's so beautiful about when you, when you understand formula. And with this city of refuge in verse four. And so, you know, in the example, you know, you go to the city of refuge and you declare the case in the hearing of the elders of that city. In verse four, they shall take him into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them. You see, a place of refuge. Now, remember, this is for the accidental or unintentional sinner who killed In the example we gave earlier, you killed me. I mean, straight up, you killed me. In the example. But it was an accident. It was unintentional. You didn't pick up a big stone and hurl it at my head. No, it was an accident. You know, you you weren't even looking. You know, you you had the stone on top and unbeknownst to you, the, the, the rock shifted and the top one rolled and rolled and boom, fell off the roof and say goodnight. It was an accident. And this is for the accidental or unintentional sinner. And the sin is killing. But I want to say something to the unintentional or accidental sinner today. It's not premeditated sin. That's another matter. When it's premeditated, that's another matter entirely. I want to say something to the sinner who sins unintentionally or accidentally. And say you just don't know. Say you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. You, you didn't heed my prior call to repent and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And you're in sin. But you just don't know it. It was unintentional. Mean, you, you didn't know. I mean, when I came to Christ, I, I, I didn't know. I, I believed in Jesus Christ and I didn't know a tenth of... I didn't know what was, I had all these preconceived notions, you know, I thought that, you know, if my prior mentality, my prior notion was, you know, if it feels good, just do it. And I didn't know. But you believe in Jesus Christ and you purpose in your heart, in your mind to live a life that is pleasing to him and you and me together, we yield to him in the word of God and the word became flesh and the helper helps us to that end. 
you know, other areas too, but one of many facets of the Paracletus, the helper, the Holy Spirit. You can have preconceived notions about everything. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, the whole nine yards. And as you grow and you mature, you start to realize, okay, wait a second, you know, this, you know, the sex, the strippers, the crack, the, you know, the, 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 the Buddha, you know, the occult, the Ouija boards. God's not so pleased with that. And you and me, we yield to the Lord. Lord, forgive me. I repent, Lord. Forgive me. It's not premeditated. And that's what's so beautiful about being a baby in Christ, a new believer, because you have such, you know, such the capacity to learn, but at the same time, the actual do part, the actual application part. To, I mean, you, you, you ever see like a, a child like a, play baseball or a child play soccer or play a sport or, you know, do something for the first time where before they didn't understand it and now they're doing it. It's like for the first time or it's fresh for them. And it's like, wow, it's so beautiful because there's so much, just like the example we gave with the 10 year old, the 10 year old and the 35 year old, same girl. I mean, you know, girl at 10, woman at 35, but same female. But at 10 years old, she can't do neurosurgery, but. At 35, she can do neurosurgery. Same girl. But she's grown in that field in to, to, to work in that capacity. But the same thing applies to us. I mean, look at the 10-year-old, the things that she, all the things that she doesn't know about neurosurgery. And you can be like, wow, that's a shame that she doesn't know. But she's 10. What do you expect? No, I mean, if you're 10 years old and you're listening and you're like, wow, you know, they, uh, he doesn't think so highly of me. But, you know, you, there, there's the, there's that aspect of youth, which is beautiful. But then you take that same girl, woman, you know, we'll take that same female at age 35. Now look at all the things she does know to the extent that she's actually, you know, cracking open a, a skull to work on the brain. I shouldn't say cracking, but, you know, cutting the skull opening the skull and like she actually has eyes on the brain think about what she does know you see sometimes you know young people in christ not young people but being young in christ you might be 50 years old and a baby in christ and sometimes young believers get discouraged like wow you know i don't know the bible like this guy i don't know the bible like this lady i don't know the bible like this i don't there's nothing bad that's beautiful that's beautiful. The bad part is when people boast in knowledge. Oh, yeah, I know the Bible like the back of my hand. That's a scary place to be when somebody boasts and, oh, I know the Bible like this. I know the Bible like that. And they boast about it. That's a very dangerous because they're held to account. You see? Oh, I know the Bible like the back of my hand, but I'm going to go to the, the strippers. Oh, I know the Bible like the back of my hand, but I'm going to go, you know, to the, uh, the, the, the drug dealers. Oh, I know the Bible like the back of my hand. That's a very dangerous place to be. You know why? Judgment. Judgment. But the former crackhead who comes to Christ doesn't know anything about Jesus, but knows that Jesus is God's only begotten son. And then realizes, you know, I believe in Jesus. And then all of a sudden, you know, starts to be tempted to, uh, for, for the drugs, for the fix. 
and is in the Bible. Starts reading the Bible, you know, about temptation. Calls the pastor, hey, pastor, I'm being tempted, you know, and I'm, I'm, a fr- I'm freshly saved from being a crackhead and I want the crack. I've been doing crack for 10 years, 20 years. Pastor, what do I do? And the pastor hey, let's go get a hamburger, you know. <laughs> let's go get a hamburger. Let's talk. And it's a beautiful, beautiful moments of fellowship. Beautiful moments of fellowship. And now the crack, he forgot about the crack. Now, now he likes hamburger. Now he likes cheeseburgers. You see? Praise be to the Lord. Praise be to the Lord. He knows nothing about the, you know, the, like he doesn't know the intricacies of Leviticus. He, he believes in Jesus. He's a Christian, baby Christian. He doesn't know the intricacies of Leviticus. But how, it's like the 10-year-old, she doesn't know how to do neurosurgery. She can't crack a skull and operate on the brain. Because if she cracks a skull, she's going to kill the guy. But at age 35, she can do that. Because she's been trained. Just like the, the former crackhead, you know, like, Pastor, I need some help. You know, I, I want my crack. I'm feeding for crack. And so the pastor says, hey, let's, let's fellowship. You know, I have a little Bible study, eat some burgers. And, you know, and then, you know, it'd be like four hours deep. And it's like, you know, I forgot all about the crack. Praise be to the Lord. You see, and in the course of time, that former crackhead can know and learn the intricacies of Leviticus and be equipped with the intricacies of Leviticus. Not for the sake of abiding in what is taught in Leviticus, but abiding in Christ to win souls to those who are maybe in the Hebrew Roots Movement. Ministry unto, you know, Jewish people. To prove from Torah that Jesus is the Messiah. You see how beautiful this is? And what I want to say to the unintentional or accidental sinner not premeditated sin that's completely different that when it's premeditated that's something completely different but the, the person male or female i don't care say you're a stripper say you're a crackhead say you do the buddha say you know you do you worship mary say you worship angels say you 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 you're into wicca and you've never heard about Jesus Christ. I mean, you've heard about him, but now it's a little different. And praise be to the Lord, because sometimes it's like how the Lord, you know, every day, like when I was not a Christian, I heard about Jesus Christ. I heard what people said that he's the son of God. But in the course of time, something happens. There's always hope because tomorrow is, it's a new day, yes, but a heart can become soft, soft enough to receive the truth of God's word, soft enough to receive holy seed, and yes, it is holy. And that might be you. You're the stripper, you're the Buddha, you're the Wicca, you're the whatever. You worship Mary, you're, you know, into the occult. You do the Ouija boards. You're the gambler. And there is this unintentional sin where you just, you didn't know. I don't care what the sin is. 
but there is refuge today. Just as we're reading Joshua 20, there is, you know, the city of refuge, but even today there is refuge and it is only found, only. I've searched high and low and I have found. It's only in Jesus. Only. There is no other way. Only Jesus. You see? And so I say again, if you haven't heeded my prior exhortation, my prior urging to come to Christ, do it right now. You come to Christ. Hit pause, listen to the message, how to commit your life to Christ, you commit your life to Christ. And you come back and you listen and we grow together. Look at verse five here. In verse five, so this example, you know, the, the, the guy, the guy who, 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 uh, killed, you know, he goes to the city of refuge. He goes to the, in the hearing of the elders in verse four that they shall take him into the city as one of them and give him a place that he may dwell among them in verse five, that the avenger of blood, then if the avenger of blood pursues him, they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand. You see? So in the example we gave earlier, say like my, my uncles, grandpappy, my aunts, everybody, they, they, they're like pitchforks and everything. And then they say, Hey, give us that guy. He killed, he killed, uh, 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 uh my, my nephew, you know, he killed his, sorry. The elders say, no, we're not, we're not going to give him to you because, you know, this is a, a city of refuge and we're not going to, we're not going to give him to you. There's going to be a trial, you know, there's going to be a hearing and we're going to make this judgment and determination. But as it stands right now, listen, go home, go home, grieve. You have a death in the family, go home and grieve. It's not like a cold thing, like, no, get out of here. No, it's like, listen, grieve, grieve. And I love that these what ifs, how the Lord has a way for these what ifs in life. I mean, say, for example, like, you know, in the example we gave earlier where, you know, I'm dead, you know, you killed me with the rock. It was an accident. It was unintentional. But just a month prior or a year prior, we've always been the best of friends, the best of friends. There was never any ill intent. But even a month prior when we're still best of friends, there's never any ill intent. Me for you, you for me. There's no, no ill intent. We're the best of friends. But yet, provisions in the law for the what ifs. If in the event this applies to you or me, if I accidentally kill you, if you accidentally kill me, that there's these provisions in place. And that's what's so beautiful about the Word of God. There's provisions for the what-ifs. Like, you might be single. You might be listening right now. You're 15 years old, 20 years old, whatever years old, and you're single. And, you you know, you study the, the marriage, you know, stuff about marriage. Not stuff, but I mean, you know, scripture about marriage and, you know, husbands unto wives, wives unto husbands, the home and all these things. It's like, well, this doesn't apply to me because, you know, I'm not married. I'm single. You know, you're, you're male, female, you know, and you're single. You're like, well, you know, this doesn't apply to me. But you read it and you study and, you know, all these things. And it's so beautiful because 
in the event it does apply to you for a future time, you're ready. You see, you're ready. It's so beautiful. You're, you're female. You know, listen, I'm not going to settle for riffraff. This guy says, hey, you know, let's, let's go, let's go to the bar. You say, go for that client. That's, that's nice. Get out of my face. You see your male and, you know, the female comes to you and says, you know, whatever, something very carnal. You say, that's nice. Get out of my face. I mean, you know, nicely. You see, that's not happening because you've said you're not married, but you understand the word of God to where, you know, there's, you know, a specific formula. Little grace, too, because, you know, people have to learn, you know. It's beautiful. It's so, the Lord has these provisions for the what ifs. And then, say, you know, what if, what if you're angry? You know, what if you're angry? You might be happy go lucky right now. I shouldn't say lucky, but happy, happy guy. You're happy guy right now. You're happy gal right now. And you're, you're, you're never angry. And then all of a sudden, anger sets in at some point in time. Well, you're equipped. There's provisions in the word of God. The Lord helps us deal. You see? I love the tabernacle. Old Testament, noun. New Testament, new covenant, verb. The Lord tabernacles with us. He teaches, he shows us. My old pastor in California, and it blew me away when I heard him say this for the first time, but he said, if everybody was obedient to the word of God, if everybody was obedient to the word of God, he says, I would have to counsel nobody. There wouldn't be any marriage counseling. There wouldn't be any disputes about fights and arguments. There wouldn't be any of that if everybody was obedient to the word of God. And I was like, wow, that's weird. It kind of sounds like he he doesn't want to, you know, uh, counsel. But then as I grew and mature, I realized, oh man, he was right. He's so right. But that's if everybody was obedient to the word of God. You could be a baby in Christ, know nothing, know nothing. You know that Jesus Christ is the son of God and he's crucified. He dies for your sin and he rose again and you love him. And it's like, boom, I believe. Praise be to the Lord. But he's not done with you. He's not done with you. We grow and mature together no high horse it's not like anybody who says oh i know the bible better than you no remember the rugby match in our study in romans remember the rugby match i mean if you're listening for the first time you're like rugby i thought we're talking about the bible now he's talking about rugby no go back to our study in romans and listen you'll learn all about the rugby match one in christ real unity according to the faith and so here in verse five it the avenger of blood pursues him. They shall not deliver the slayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unintentionally but did not hate him beforehand. Very interesting what we see here. Very, very interesting what we see here because all of a sudden, you know, beforehand is premeditated. You see, I mean, with you and the stone and killing me, that was an accident. But with the other guy, emphasis on the other guy, not you, on the other guy, 
He thought about it. Remember like a month prior with you and me? A month prior, we were the best of friends. A week prior, an hour prior, we were the best of friends. A month, a year prior, two years prior, five years prior, ten years prior, we were the best of friends. But for the other guy, ten years prior, he started to hate the guy. Five years prior, he started to think about ways to kill him. A year prior, he knew, I'm going to do it this year. A month prior, he had it all planned out. A week prior, he had all the detail, all the details planned out, the escape plan and everything. I'm going to lie. I'm going to bribe the elders. He had it all planned out. You see? And then boom, the act of murder. Now, you look at those two examples, you and the other guy. You and the other guy, you look at those two examples with you. It was accident. It was unintentional. Yes, I'm dead. But it was an accident. Yes, there's going to be mourning. Mourning, M-O-U. Mourning, sadness, sorrow, lamenting. The other guy, I mean, you look at it for face value. It looks exactly the same. You and the other guy. You killed. You see? But now it's different. Because with you, it was an accident. The stone rolled off and boom, say goodnight. But with the other guy, for 10 years, he harbored this hatred. And this hatred got worse and worse and worse. It was premeditated. You didn't have any hate in your heart. The other guy, he had hate in his heart that led him to murder But 10 years prior, he was already the murderer. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? Because remember what's written here in verse 5. He struck his neighbor unintentionally. It was an accident, but did not hate him beforehand. In the book of Mark, New Testament, New Covenant, chapter 7, verse 20. And Jesus says, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. What about committing murder in the heart? You see? What about committing murder in the heart? Just like verse 5, Joshua 20, verse 5. He did not hate him beforehand. That's the example with with you. In the example we gave earlier with you, you killed me. It was an accident. It was unintentional. 30 seconds prior, 10 seconds prior to that stone rolling, you loved me. I loved you. We were the best of friends. One second, one millisecond prior to that stone rolling. You loved me. I loved you. We were the best of friends. We were singing worship together. I was a little out of tune, but we were singing worship together. Beautiful, 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 beautiful fellowship. For 10 years, 20, I loved you. You loved me. The best of friends, beautiful fellowship. You didn't hate me beforehand, but for the other guy, for 10 years, harboring hatred, 
You see? I have a very important message for saints in these last days. Protect your hearts. Protect your hearts. I'll say it a third time. Protect your hearts. Because prophetically speaking, the heart of men will fail. The hearts of men will fail. But with the remnant, it's a different ballgame. Only for the remnant, it's a different ballgame. Because the remnant has oil for their lamps. Protect your heart. We're living in very, very dark times. Very, very perilous times. I mean, you talk about politics. Look at the hatred that is growing in the realm of politics. Look at the sexual passions that are growing in these last days. Immorality. Just as Jesus says in Mark 7 verse 20. What comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart. Look at what is inside the heart of men and women. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. Protect your hearts, beloved saints. Protect your hearts. The remnant will have protection in the last days. But we must be wise. We must be wise. Because wise virgins store oil. Wise virgins have oil. You see? Very important. Because... The heart of men, you know, you hear us say the heart of men will fail. And, you know, maybe 20 years ago, you're like, okay, yeah, the heart, yeah, 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 heart of men is going to fail. But today we see it. Today we see it. The hearts of men are failing. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and darker and darker and darker and darker. But... There is light in Goshen. Remember our study in Exodus? There is light in Goshen with God's people. And so we see here in verse 5, you know, like the example we gave with you, it was an accident. You didn't have hate toward me. A, a millisecond before that rock fell, before that big stone rolled off, you never hated me. You never hated me. I never hated you. We were, I love you. You love me. We're the best of friends. But with the other guy, it got worse. He hated. He harbored hatred in his heart. You see? In verse 6, And he shall dwell in that city until he stands before the congregation for judgment. Now, this is like for the verdict, you know, because the elders, they're going to, they're going to listen to what you, you, you come to the city of refuge. You speak to the elders. Hey, I accidentally, I accidentally killed this guy. You know, we were the best of friends and you know, you're, you're crying about it. You're not like, you know, happy about it. You're, you're crying. I, I killed my, he's my best friend. You know, she's my best friend. I, I killed him. I killed her, you know, and now remember 
if you're lying, we're talking stoning. You see? And you're not bribing. You're not saying, hey, I'll give you guys $5,000 each and, you know, so I can have my freedom. So the elders take you in. And they say, okay. Okay. You shall, it's like verse 4, you enter the city as one of them, as one of the residents. Very important how you see how the elders are in these cities of refuge. And we're going to talk about the priesthood of, you know, the Levites, their inheritance of the Levites. But it's very important to see this role of the elders in the Old Testament. And so they say, okay, enter. You see the family, they come to kill you. They say, hey, he killed this guy. They come to kill you. They say, no, no, you can't come in. This is a city of refuge. You know, everybody knows the law. It's like, okay, you know, you, you, you take time to mourn. You listen, mourn. You have a death in the family. Mourn. You mourn. This guy, he's already mourning because he, it, he, he recognizes that there was a death. And he's mourning. As for you, you know, go back, you know, mourn. Because this is a sad day. There's a death in the family. And so... Something happens. Time passes. And then you're going to, you're going to give an account. Like, remember in the example we gave, you know, you're, it was an accident and you're going to give an account and you're going to stand before the elders and they're going to hear what you plead. They're going to hear your case. I don't want to speak in like legal terms. Like they're going to hear your case and there's going to be the plaintiff and they're all, no, they're going to listen to what you have to say. And yes, okay, it was an accident. It was unintentional. Like, look, you're crying about it. You don't want to kill the guy. You're crying about it. We see the sorrow. Notice what happens here. He shall dwell in that city in verse 6 until he stands before the congregation for judgment and... Until the death of the one who is high priest in those days. An Old Testament reference to a high priest. But remember, to those with ears, in the order of Melchizedek, pre-law, promise and law fulfilled in Jesus until the death of the one who is high priest in those days. Jesus is high priest in the order of Melchizedek. You see, do you remember how we, when we finished Deuteronomy and there was the exhortation, not, not exhortation, but like the, 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 the mention of the beauty of having the backdrop of Torah in future studies? This is one of those. We've already had some of those examples, but this is a beautiful, beautiful. The other ones are beautiful too, but this is like, whoa. Until the death of the one who is high priest in those days. It, it breaks my heart to know that our Lord and Savior, our Master and King died on the cross. 
it kills me. I, like eat to this day, I, I, I don't. Cer- certain passages I just don't like reading. I have a hard time getting through because I don't like it. But I also love it because of what he accomplished until the death of the high priest. You see? Then the slayer, he says in verse 6, then the slayer may return. That's like, you know, in the example we gave earlier, that's that's you. You know, you accidentally killed me. Then you return. There's a city of refuge. Now, that's not a that's not a, a, a permanent residency. It's for a time. And then, you know, the, 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 the council determines, okay, it was an accident. Also until the death of the high priest. And then the slayer may return and come to his own city and his own house to the city from which he fled. You see? It's you and me. Yes, there is refuge in Jesus Christ. There is absolute refuge only found in Jesus Christ. But I say this in spiritual terms that it's temporary. And I don't say that it's temporary in terms of like, you know, like we exit Jesus Christ. No, I mean, it's temporary because there's coming a time when there will be a glorified body. There is a crown that awaits us. It's not here in this world, but that crown, it awaits us. It has your name on it. It's for you, which is a future time. But there's, I don't want to say a process. There's a very specific formula for you and me to apply to our lives in order to wear that crown. The crown, it's got your name on it. But there's a very specific formula. And I don't want, I don't say that in a rigid sense, like, you know, I gotta, you know, do this and that and that and that, like robots. No. Remember, we have a helper, the seal of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit helps us. It's conduct, conduct that is pleasing to the Lord, a sweet aroma unto the Lord. Remember the challenge from Leviticus? A sweet aroma unto the Lord. Because there's a crown that awaits us. You see? And when I say that there's refuge in Jesus Christ and that's temporary, I don't mean to suggest that to exit Jesus Christ in this life, nor do I mean to suggest disobedience in the life to come. But understand there is a temporal nature to these earth suits. But death has no sting. There is a glorified body. There is a crown that has your name on it. There is a crown that has my name on it. And a very specific formula and recipe. You see? Which, you know, I don't mean to sound like it's like it's like it's difficult. It's super easy. It's crazy easy. Crazy, not in a disrespectful way to the Lord. Because remember, Jesus Christ is the one who says, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's super easy. It's insanely easy. 
Remember Paul when he says, you, you turn away from the simplicity that is in Christ. It's super simple. But the pseudo-delphos, the pseudo-fake delphos, brothers, fake brethren, they come in to bring saints into bondage. Remember Paul, he was like, you know, I'm afraid because you might put up with it. You might put up with it. In exercising godly attributes, you might put up with it. Because look, at we're, we're, God is love and we're supposed to love, which is true. But when you understand formula, it's not to say like, okay, I hate this guy. It's to say, listen, I love, but I understand that this is a wolf and I love the saints. So the wolf's got to die. Metaphysically speaking, you know, the wolf's got to die. The wolf is a threat to the sheep. The wolf is a threat to the lambs. The, the wolf is a threat to the flock of God. You see? Now the wolf, say goodnight. Time to die, wolf. Metaphysically speaking. You see? But in exercising godly attributes, and Satan knows this. In exercising godly attributes... Satan attempts to take advantage of these attributes and the desire to apply these attributes to our lives. And so when the wolf comes, hey, nice to meet you, Mr. Pastor. Hey, nice to meet you, Mr. Pastor, Mr. Elder. You want to be a guest teacher? Okay. You want to teach it's okay to take the mark of the beast? You'll still be saved? Okay. You want to teach grave soaking? Come on, let's go grave soaking. Okay. That's, you want to teach replacement theology? Okay, you want to teach, you know, be a money preacher? Okay. But it doesn't work that way. You see? Yes, God is love. We are called to be loving. We are called to be merciful. We are called to be gracious, forgiving. But never are we called to be stupid. Never. When you understand formula, you realize, okay, that's a wolf. You see? Formula is not right in that guy, so I'm not going to submit to him. He calls himself a pastor. He has pastor parking spot, but sorry, the Bible says he's not a pastor. The pastoral epistles, these are one-on-one -on -one letters. Paul wrote to Timothy. Paul wrote to Titus. Paul wrote to Philemon. These are one-on-one -on -one letters. They got leaked. The Lord leaked the letters. The Lord leaked the letters. Do you know why? He leaked the letters so that you and me can know exactly what the formula is so that you and me know it is safe to submit to this guy. He's the full package. He's qualified. It is safe for me to submit because he's going to teach me. He's going he's gonna to help me go from baby to adolescent to mature to adult to straight up deadly. The good deadly. Not the bad deadly, the good deadly. He's going to help me. He's tasked by the Lord to help me, to train me, to equip me. The wolf's going to come and he's going to kill the wolf, metaphysically speaking. Because his obedience is unto the Lord. You see? I mean, it's so simple. It's crazy simple. I say that with all due respect to the Lord. But I say crazy simple for us, for you and me to understand that, in fact, indeed, it is crazy simple. But the pseudodelphos, the servants of Satan, they want to complicate. They want to overcomplicate. 
so that they can present themselves like, oh, I'm smart. Oh, I, you know, I have my doctorate in theology, honorary doctorate. Oh, I went to seminary this. Come on, let's go grave soaking. Oh, I got this doctorate in theology. Take the mark of the beast. They'll still be saved. They're fools. You see, and that's why Paul was afraid. I fear for you because you might not put up with it. These guys are going to come in, the preacher guy, with, remember the three things. He says, another Jesus, another spirit, another gospel. No, scratch that. He says, a different spirit, a different gospel, and a different Jesus. You see? But the real Jesus, the biblical Jesus, whose word is above his name, very specific formula. You see? Now, what are the cities of refuge? Well, in verse 7, So they appointed Kadesh in Galilee in the mountains of Naphtali, Shechem in the mountains of Ephraim, and Kirjath Arba, Arba, which is Hebron in the mountains of Judah, and on the other side of the Jordan by Jericho eastward, they assigned Bezer in the wilderness on the plain from the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth in Gilead from the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan from the tribe of Manasseh. In verse 9, these were the cities appointed for all the children of Israel and for the stranger who dwelt among them, both Jew and Gentile, all the children of Israel and for the stranger. Remember, the branch does not support the root. The root supports the branch. Remember our study in Romans 11. The root supports the branch. Now, Hebrew roots people will say, you see, the root supports the branch. Don't forget the stump. Don't forget the stump and the root of Jesse. You see, it's so simple. It's so simple. It's, it's crazy simple. The Sidadelphos and servants of Satan, they want to complicate it. Why? To bring saints into bondage. It's a trap. They're spies. That's how the, in Galatians, that's how it translates. They're spies. Secretly, they're brought in secretly. They're on an agenda. They have a mission. But it's evil and satanic. That's why Paul was like, he, phobia is how the word translates. He, he, he opens up his heart to say, this is my phobia, guys. This is my phobia, saints. Not if the servant of Satan comes in. He says, when they come in. The one with a different Jesus, a different gospel, and a different spirit. When they come in. He says, you guys are going to put up with it. You see, the branch does not support the root. The root supports the branch. And I've had these conversations with the Hebrew roots. You see, the root supports the branch. The root supports the branch. Don't forget the stump. Don't forget the stump. If you're listening and you're Hebrew roots, I say unto you, come out of her, my people. If you abide in the law, you have exited Jesus Christ. Don't do that. Come back to Christ and believe in Jesus Christ. That's one of, that's a that's a biggie in these last days. Because the church is entering crazy town. I shouldn't say it's entering. The church is crazy town today. The church is straight up crazy town. And Christians, saints, 
are seeing it and acknowledging it and realizing, oh my goodness, my church is crazy. I cannot be here. I need more structure in my church. I need more structure where I fellowship. And the two main alternatives is Calvinism. I say Calvinism, but that encompasses Reformed theology and Presbyterianism. But the two main alternatives is Calvinism and Hebrew roots. You see? But both are wrong. Both are wrong. Both are in error. You see? Understand what the word teaches. It's so simple. It's so simple. And I don't say that in a boastful, like, you know, oh, it's easy. It's a piece of cake. No. I say it's simple because Jesus, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see? And we have the Paracletus too. And so we see here in verse 9, in closing, that these were the, the cities appointed for all the children of Israel and for the stranger who dwelt among them, that whoever killed a person accidentally might flee there and not die by the, by the hand of the avenger of blood until he stood before the congregation. Now, corruption Corruption can easily, easily set in. I mean, consider the okay, the bad guy. I mean, the, 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 the two examples. There's you, it was an accident. But then there was the other guy. Emphasis on the other guy. It was premeditated. Okay? For you, it was an accident. With the other guy, it was premeditated. For the past 10 years, you and me, we've been the best of friends. The, the, the millisecond between when that rock fell. You and me, we were the best of friends. I love you. You love me. But the other guy, for 10 years, he hated the guy he killed. And it was premeditated. That's straight up murder. You see? And so, you go into the city of refuge. And everything is beautiful. When it all, when, when it all pans out, I mean, in the course of time, it all pans out. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Like, 10 years prior, 5 years prior, a month prior, a week prior, a day prior. None of these things applied to you and me. We were still the best of friends. But there was that, if in the event this applies, then this is how it gets handled. You see? How the Lord teaches. You know, if this applies, then this is what you do. And... The day before I died, we didn't have to concern ourselves with this because it didn't apply. We were alive. But, you know, I was alive. You didn't kill me. But now that it does apply, it's like, okay, now let's apply the word of God, what is pleasing to him. There's a city of refuge. And yeah, my family's angry and they want, you know, you know, eye for eye, you know, it's, they're angry. There's their safety. You see, just like we see here in uh, 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 in verse nine, and not die by the hand of the avenger of blood. So, like I have family members that are avenging blood, and you know, you're not gonna die because there's the city of refuge. You see, but for the other guy who committed murder and hated the guy in his heart for the past ten years, and he committed murder, he goes to the city of refuge. And he's not crying or anything. He doesn't feel any sorrow or guilt. And he has like a smirk on his face. Hey, you know, let me in. I, I, I accidentally killed the guy. And, you know, he's like laughing about it. 
let me in, let me in. The, the elders are like, mm, I don't, I don't know about like it doesn't seem like you know I don't see sorrow. It doesn't seem like you're full of guilt and um, and then he says, well, you know, he reaches in his wallet and you know here I'll give you guys five thousand dollars each. Let me in. Now, look at what's happening. You have murder. Now you have the lie of, you know, yeah, I, I want the city of refuge, but it doesn't apply to him. And now you say the elders accept the bribe. Look at how his sin begets more sin, not just in himself. There's that too. But now it spreads to the elders. You see? Now the guy is corrupted. The elders are corrupted. That trial system, it becomes a mockery because it's corrupt. Now you have those elders, they go home, they have their kids, and the kids learn that, you know, they learn uh, from a corrupt example. You see, corruption can easily, easily set in. And it does set in. When Joshua dies and the elders die, the next generation, it doesn't turn out so well for them because they forget the Lord. And corruption can easily set in. But let's flip that coin. Holiness can easily set in too. Remember, we're in the Old Testament. We're applying the Old Testament rules of engagement and conduct in according to the Old Covenant. But the New Covenant rules, it's exactly the same. Corruption can easily set in. But let's flip that coin. So can holiness. Balls in our court. Balls in your court. Balls in my court. So can holiness. And we're seeing the church enter corruption and the corruption gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And it's creeping in and getting worse and worse and worse. But among the remnant, something else can be seen. The ones who store oil for their lamps. Holiness. We see it both. We see the corrupt get more corrupt. We see the holy get brighter and more holy. Thus fulfilling prophecy. The word of God according to his will. Which will be done. To the beautiful, beautiful people of the way. Saints of the last days, God bless you. A remnant of the last days, God bless you. I love you.